Acts of the Apostles, Chapter 12, James Executed, Peter Delivered, Herod Judged. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, James Executed. Herod, grandson of Herod the Great, and brought up in Rome, was now at the height of his power. Because of his friendship with Claudius, he ruled Judea, Samaria, and Lebanon as King Herod Agrippa I. An Idumean, in an attempt to be popular with the Jews, he tried to suppress the followers of Jesus Christ by removing selected prominent disciples. Before the Jews, he gave the appearance of keeping the law, but was quite prepared to break the commandment, Thou shalt not kill, by executing James. James, the brother of John, was the first apostle Herod beheaded with the sword. Like his brother, James was an energetic disciple. On an earlier occasion, they had wanted to call down fire from heaven. That was in Luke chapter 9. When his brother was murdered, continuing the outworking of Luke 21, verse 12, they shall lay their hands upon you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Nothing could be done but submit to the will of the Lord. James had indeed been baptised with the baptism that his Lord had been baptised with. From Matthew 20, verse 20 to 23. Summary of James' life. James was older than his brother John. They were the sons of Zebedee and Salome, who was probably sister to Mary, the Lord's mother, and were called sons of thunder. That was in Mark chapter 3, verse 17. James and John were fishermen of Galilee who had immediately responded to the Lord's call, leaving their fishing to the care of their father. They both later became apostles, and with Peter were the first three among the disciples. They were together with their Lord at his transfiguration and in the garden in Gethsemane. They also received the Olivet prophecy of the destruction of the temple. It was Salome, their mother, who had asked the Lord that her sons, James and John, might sit at his right hand and left hand in his kingdom. Although James himself does not seem to have been amb ambitious, as little is recorded of him. This was in Matthew 20, verse 20 to 23. He died in A.D. 44. Acts chapter 12, verses 3 to 19. Peter delivered. By this time Peter had returned to Jerusalem. He was the next to be arrested, but he could not be killed immediately because those were the days of unleavened bread. In other words, he was arrested at the time of the anniversary of the Lord's crucifixion. Herod observed the formalism of the law, but with murder in his heart. But then, 
So had the priests in their treatment of the Lord Jesus. John 18, verse 28. The meaning of unleavened bread, sincerity and truth, is so opposite to the leaven of malice and wickedness shown by those who sat in Moses' seat. John was later to write, Ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Perhaps remembering the death of his brother and the subsequent fate of Herod. This was in 1 John 3 verse 15 and Herod's fate, Acts 12 verse 23. This was Peter's third imprisonment and he was very strictly guarded by four quaternions of soldiers because he was a known escapee. Four quaternions would be four watches of four soldiers each watch, using the strategy later to be adopted by Hitler. Herod gave the people someone to hate so that they might respect and follow him. All this happened at Easter, Passover, the revised version, Acts 12 verse 4. Passover. And the ecclesia was praying without ceasing unto God for Peter's deliverance from death, which is what the Passover is all about. And as James, the Lord's brother, later remembered, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, or ecclesia, availeth much. How strange that Peter was sleeping despite being chained to two soldiers and his execution scheduled for the next day. His fear when caught out in Caiaphas' palace was a thing of the past. Probably he remembered that when his Lord was facing death the next day, he had said to Peter and the other disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. And these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's in John 14 and John 16. Meanwhile, it is doubtful that Herod slept very well that night. So well did Peter sleep that it was necessary for the angel to strike him on the side to awaken him. Light shone in the prison as the angel raised Peter up and said, Arise up quickly. Then Peter's chains fell from his hands. The angel said, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals, as Israel had done at the first Passover, Exodus 12 verse 11. Had not his Lord said, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. John 21, verse 18. But Peter was not yet old. His time had not yet come. So casting his outer garment about him, Peter followed the angel out of the prison through the first and second ward. The final obstacle was a locked iron gate, but it opened, seemingly of its own accord. 
and they passed through into the city and along the first street, at which point the angel left Peter. Again, had not his lord said earlier, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, verse 18. Remember, this was the Passover. Peter had undergone a typical death, descending into prison as into the tomb of the Lord, and had been raised to newness of life by an angel whose light shone round about him as light had shone in the tomb of the Lord's resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 3. Once again, the keepers had become as dead men at the presence of an angel. None moved to prevent Peter's escape. Not a dog moved his tongue, we read in Exodus 11, verse 7. The angel continued with Peter just as long as was necessary to see him to safety. After the angel left, Peter paused to collect his thoughts and said to himself, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Of a surety, or truth, is an expression common to Peter, this we gain from chapter 4, verse 27, and chapter 10, verse 34. His, the Lord hath sent his angel and delivered me, is a reminder of David's confidence in Yahweh when he sang, The righteous cry, and Yahweh heareth, and deliver them out of all their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Psalm 34, verses 16 to 19. Meanwhile, Peter arrived at the house of Mary, John Mark's mother, where many were gathered together praying all night because Peter was to be executed the next day. This is the house where was the upper room in which Jesus kept the Passover with his disciples, and where the apostles resided. It would appear that the good man of the house had died, perhaps killed during Saul's persecution. A young woman named Rhoda answered Peter's knocking, but on recognising his voice, in her excitement, instead of opening the door, she ran back in to tell the others. With the same incredulity that we would display in similar circumstances, they did not believe when their prayer for Peter's release had been answered. Rhoda's insistence that Peter was indeed outside changed their Thou art mad to It is his angel. No doubt it was Peter's angel who had shone in the prison, caused his chains to fall off and the doors to open. For all saints have an angel who has charge of their affairs, we find in Matthew 18, verse 10. But it was not his angel at the door. Peter continued knocking, probably fearful of making a disturbance that could lead to his re-arrest. Finally the door was opened, 
And it is probably an understatement when Luke says, they were astonished. The disciples did not believe when the women told them that the Lord was risen, and didn't believe again when their prayer for Peter was answered. Later Paul was to write, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the Ecclesia by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Peter goes into hiding. Jesus had instructed his disciples, when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. And that's just what Peter did. He went into hiding and as soon as possible left Jerusalem. Where did he go? Certainly to where there was an established ecclesia and work for the apostle to do. And what is more likely than to a new Gentile ecclesia beyond Herod's reach? Almost certainly Peter went to Antioch, the new centre, where occurred the dissimulation mentioned in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 14 by the Apostle Paul. In this incident, Peter, and even Barnabas, withdrew and separated himself from association with Gentile believers, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So relentless was the political power of the circumcision party that even the apostles were not able to overcome it. Eventually it would destroy the Judean Ecclesius. At this point, Peter disappears from Luke's record, except for the briefest resurrection appearance, as it were, in chapter 15, when Peter returned to Jerusalem after the death of Herod. A review of Peter's life is therefore appropriate at this point. Summary of Peter's life Peter, meaning a stone, is a Greek name sometimes given in the Aramaic form Cephas. His Hebrew name is Simon, meaning hearing, John 1 verse 42. He was a fisherman in partnership with Andrew his brother and his cousins James and John, sons of Zebedee. It was Andrew who first introduced Simon, son of Jonas, to Jesus in John chapter 1 verses 35. 41. His was a threefold calling. The first was to be a disciple in John chapter 1 verse 42. The second was to catch men in Luke 5 verse 10. And the third to be an apostle in Luke chapter 6 verses 13 to 14. It's interesting that his threefold calling is matched with his threefold confession of Christ. In Matthew 14, verse 33, John 6, verse 69, and Matthew 16, verse 16. But then you see, we also have his threefold denial of Christ before the cock crew 
in John 18, verse 17, 25, and 26 to 27. But even that is matched, isn't it? His threefold protestation of love. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. Oh yes, Peter showed an ardent love for his Lord, mixed with courage and impulsiveness that early on sometimes led him to make mistakes. He was always in the forefront of the disciples, being one of the first three. Despite his early mistakes, Jesus had confidence in Peter, requiring him to strengthen thy brethren and to follow me. Luke 22, verse 31 to 32. He also showed an early maturity in understanding, proclaiming that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. After the ascension of the Lord, Peter immediately assumed leadership of the disciples. He moved first to propose a replacement for Judas, citing what must have been then an obscure scripture in support. This is in Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 22. He was the first to preach the gospel publicly in Acts 2, verse 14, and to heal in Acts chapter 3, verse 6 to 12. He was the first to take up defence of the truth before the council, chapter 4, verses 8 to 14, and to rebuke and judge in the Ecclesia, chapter 5, verse 3 to 4 and 9. He could not be cowed, chapter 5, verse 29 and verses 40 to 42. He was the first to raise the dead, chapter 9 and verse 40 to preach to Gentiles, justifying their inclusion in the hope of Israel, Acts chapter 10, and to undergo a typical death and resurrection, Acts chapter 12. Though still able to make a mistake under pressure from Judaizing brethren, Peter did have the humility to learn from his mistake and from the Apostle Paul. There's a connection there in Galatians 2, verses 11 to 14, and the second of Peter, chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. Peter was an apostle to the circumcision, a pillar in the ecclesia, and a shepherd of the flock. James became the leader of the Jerusalem ecclesia, and Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter went to Antioch, and back to Jerusalem, in Acts 15, verse 7. He also went to Corinth, we find from the first of Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 12, and 9, verse 5, and to Babylon, the first epistle of Peter, chapter 5, verse 13. This he did in strengthening his brethren of the diaspora. He had been one of the first to see the risen Christ, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5 tells us that, and had special instruction from him, John 21 verse 15. Acts chapter 12 verses 18 to 25, Herod judged. 
At daybreak, when it was found that the prisoner had escaped, Herod sent soldiers to search for Peter in the homes of known disciples. No doubt this was a frightening and violent experience for them. Herod, being thwarted, turned his fury upon the keepers of the prison, examining them by torture and finally commanding that they be put to death. Such is the tyranny of corrupt power. It would be fearful to fall into the hands of such a vengeful man, as many have. But vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10, verses 30 to 31. And his judgment was about to fall upon the wicked Herod. Herod left Jerusalem for Tyre and Sidon, who had highly displeased him. War threatened. The Sioux cities traded with Palestine for wheat. War would cut off their most accessible food supply. They would become dependent upon uncertain supplies brought in by sea. The people therefore desired peace. To celebrate the peace... Games were held in honour of Emperor Claudius. The Jewish historian Josephus records that it was on the second day of the games that Herod sat upon his throne, the Greek Bema, judgment seat, and made an oration. Herod is known to history for his remarkable oratory and his vanity. He was dressed in silver clothing that reflecting the intense light of the sun, dazzled the people. It was a stunning performance. The people shouted, It is the voice of a god and not of a man, making him higher than even the emperor. And immediately the angels smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the spirit. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. So we read in Psalm 115, verse 1. According to the account of Josephus, uh, of the death of Herod, a severe pain also arose in his belly and began in a most violent manner. He therefore looked upon his friends and said, I, whom ye call a god, am commanded presently to depart this life, while providence reproves the lying words you just now said to me, and I, who was by you called immortal, am immediately to be hurried away by death. And when he had been quite worn out by the pain in his belly for five days, he departed this life, being in the fifty-fourth year of his age and the seventh year of his reign. Almost certainly his ordeal began by feasting at the games on undercooked pork containing worms. 
and you can read of that in Modern Medicine and the Bible by Alan W. Fowler, pages 26 to 27. So by divine providence in AD 44, the persecutor perished. But the word of God grew and multiplied, implying that the New Testament was being written as more and more turned to the gospel. By this time Barnabas and Saul, later the order would be reversed, in chapter 13 verse 43, thereafter Paul being mentioned first, returned from Jerusalem having fulfilled their ministry of sending relief to the brethren. That's in chapter 11, verse 29 to 30. Accompanying them was John Mark, nephew to Barnabas, Colossians 4, verse 10. The whole scene changes at this point in Luke's recounting of the preaching of the gospel into all the world. The change may be summarised as followed. Acts chapter 1, verse 12, Jerusalem the centre. In Acts chapter uh, 12, chapters 12 to 28, Antioch became the centre. In Acts 1 to 12, Peter the chief apostle. Then, in Acts 12 to 28, Paul became the chief apostle. In Acts chapter 1 verse 12, the gospel was preached to Samaria. In Acts 12 verse 28, the gospel is preached to Rome. And then in Acts 1 verse 12, rejected by the Jews of the land. In Acts 12 verse 28, rejected by Jews of the diaspora. The Apostle Paul now then becomes the central figure in the work of preaching as the gospel goes out to the Gentiles. As he explained to the Galatian Ecclesias, the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Galatians chapter 2 verse 7 to 8. So far Luke has shown how the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ had been taught to the Jews. Through Peter's preaching he has illustrated that God's purpose has undergone a development that had been foreshadowed in the Scriptures, even though the people had not foreseen it. That development was now fulfilled in his Son, whom they had crucified, but whom God had justified in raising him from the tomb and exalted him to his right hand. The thrust of preaching to the Jews had been concerning forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ by grace. The Lord had passed because it could not save. The divergence from Judaism had become obvious. From this point, the thrust of preaching to Gentiles was different. It would be centred on the coming kingdom. Salvation through forgiveness of sins, a concept foreign to Gentiles, would follow after when the teaching of the kingdom had been accepted, and those interested would say, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This time 
not to be saved, but to inherit the kingdom. Similarly, our preaching to the modern world should primarily focus on the coming kingdom. Forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ is certainly not secondary, but it is not something that people see any need for until interest in the inheritance has been aroused and our condemned state in this body of our humiliation realised. In some ways there is a similar pattern in the progress of events as Luke orders his treatise. Um, with Peter, his first addresses in chapter 2, Paul's first addresses in chapter 13. Peter heals a lame man in chapter 3. Paul heals a lame man in chapter 14. Peter's healing was by his shadow in chapter 5. Paul's healing was by his handkerchiefs in chapter 19. We read of Simon the sorcerer of chapter 8. But when we turn to Paul, we have Elymas the sorcerer in chapter 13. Peter's laying on of hands in chapter 8 again. Laying on of hands of Paul in chapter 19. Then we have Tabitha raised from the dead in chapter 9. Paul raises Eutychus in chapter 20. Peter was imprisoned in chapter 12. Paul was imprisoned in chapter 28. We might also notice that Luke, having shown the rejection of Peter's gospel by the Jewish authorities, is now to lead us through the various difficulties faced by Paul until the acceptance, or at least the tolerance, of the gospel of the brethren in Christ in the Roman world.